0: Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, if you would please, whether you have it in a print or digital form. Matthew chapter 5, uh, we'll look at in just a minute. While you're turning there, just kind of a quick housekeeping item. Um, Hopefully you got a bulletin when you came in this morning. Has further details in it. This Wednesday night will be our annual business meeting, our Constitution uh requires it once a year we come together and uh, I am really looking forward to this. Our regular children's ministry and youth ministry, CSM, will meet as usual on uh, Wednesday night. All of our adult classes, however, are going to be suspended for us to come together in here 7 o'clock. Um, What what do we do at our annual business meeting? Well, it gives us a chance to celebrate the good things that God's doing. We're going to look at our finances, the ministries of the last year, things that God's doing. Um, We'll have the opportunity for those of you that are members of the church to take part in the selection of our deacon board. We'll update you on some items, including some renovation that we're hoping to do over the course of the next year to the building to accommodate some of the growth that we're seeing. And uh, if you are a member, You should have received an email uh, on Friday this week that had information, a video, and some documents that show some uh, resolutions of some proposals to make some changes to our Constitution. If you did not get that and you're a member, you can pick that up out at the information desk. There's a hard copy of some of those there today. If you're not a member of the church, if you've not been through the formal membership process, but you do attend Calvary, you're welcome to attend if if you want to sit in and, and be a part of the meeting. Um, but you would not be able to vote and take part in those different things. If you have gone through the formal membership process, we really would encourage you be here, make it a priority, especially this year. I feel like this is a really important meeting for us and, uh, and would love to have you here and be a part of it. Uh, for probably about as many different people as there are, there's, there's a lot of different tastes in music and uh, so many different kinds of music. And, and for some of us, maybe we even kind of have a little bit of an eclectic taste and, and we like certain kinds of music at different times. I mean, you've got everything from classical music to rap music. You've got country, you've got rock, you've got pop, you've got easy listening, you've got jazz, you've got gospel. I mean, you've got all these different genres of music that, that people like and enjoy listening to. When I was in high school, I I fancied myself to be a bit of a guitar player. Then I grew up and found out I wasn't. In high school, I thought I was, and I used to play quite a bit, and one of the things that, that I enjoyed doing was I started to to wanna listen to other guitar players and see if I could, could learn something, listen to their style, how they did different things, try to pick up some different things. So when I was in, in high school, some, some different people and friends would, would pass some different things on to me. And in the process, I kind of fell in love with a certain genre of music that I, that I didn't really expect. And I, I don't know necessarily a whole lot about it, but every time I hear it, I'm like, man, that just gets me right in the feels. And I think this is a bit of a confession, because I don't know if before today I've ever really said this, but I... I love the blues. Anybody else? I think, can you be a Christian and still like the blues? I had one lady last service be like, no, pastor, you're not going to heaven. I mean, she was like, until no, she doesn't like the blues, but I do. There's something about it. There's something about that genre of music. It kind of gets you right in the emotion, because right, usually it's, it's written by people out of, out of the source of their pain, right? I mean, oftentimes, it's this is what I've lost, this is what I've been through, and only my mama loves me anymore, right? Isn't that kind of the, the nature of it? The... So when you listen to the blues and things are good, when you listen to the blues and you're in a good place, you listen to it and you just go, man, that's good music, and I'm glad I'm not that guy, right? That's what you do. When things aren't good, you listen to the blues and you just go, man, misery loves company. Something powerful about it. Today, our, our message that we're gonna share together is kind of... Kind of like singing the blues. We started last week in the, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter five, six, and seven is what we're gonna be walking through for the next few weeks. And we, we begun by looking at this and the Beatitudes. E- each week, we're gonna look at one of the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are the first eight or nine statements that Jesus makes at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount that all begin with the word blessed. So last week, we looked at where he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And this week, we're gonna go to the second one. And as we look at this, I'll just say right out of the gate, for some of you, you might go, look, I'm not so sure that this message is for me. And for some of you, it might not be. What we talk about today might not really be that relevant with where you're living right now. But before you you kind of tune this out when we hear this, I think that for all of us, there's something really good that we can grasp as we look at this. Matthew chapter five, beginning with verse four, listen to what Jesus says. Second beatitude. He says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. You know, last week we started by talking about what does Jesus mean when he says blessed? And sometimes when we talk about this, we think of it in the realm of happiness. And I won't unpack everything we talked about last week, just two things that I think are key to this message that we remember. That the blessed know joy even when they don't feel happy. Those who are blessed know joy internally, even when they don't feel happy. We talked about how how being blessed doesn't necessarily have to do with your internal or your external circumstances, it has to do with going on internally, that there's this inner sense of peace and contentment and fulfillment because it's found in Christ, it's not found in our circumstances. As a result of that, the blessed can live right side up when the world is upside down. Anyone notice the world is upside down at times? (laughs) Anyone notice your world is upside down at times? And remember, Jesus is writing to these folks, These are his first disciples, right? I mean, this this is all brand new. No no one's ever really come together, and these masses are coming together to hear him preach. And he's saying to them, look, we're starting something new here, and in a world that's upside down, I wanna show you how you can live right side up. And much of what he says is kinda counterintuitive. It really doesn't make sense to say, blessed are those who mourn. It doesn't seem right. Sure not very happy. What does he mean? It was interesting as I was was preparing and studying for this, I did did kind of two different streams of things. One was to dig into some commentaries and, and books where I could study and find out what do people say about this verse the other, I had three or four conversations over the course of the last few days where, where I was able to talk with some folks and go, what does this verse mean to you, whether one-on-one or in a group? And we, we talked about this idea what does it mean to mourn. What's interesting is nobody has just, even, even scholars when they look at this verse, even when you look at the way that that word mourn is used throughout the scriptures, it's not just one idea. I mean, oftentimes when we talk about mourning, we, we think about it in the sense of death. Someone has passed and we mourn their passing. But that word has so much more attached to it. It's practical, it's spiritual, it's emotional. So let's put a little definition on it for, for our purposes today. To mourn is to have an emotional response to some form of grief, it is sorrow. For us to mourn is to have an emotional response to some sort of grief, maybe just as basic to call it sorrow. When we've had some kind of loss, and as a result of that loss and the way it hits us, there's a grieving that we go through. And and so we're all on the same page with this. There are many aspects to mourning, not just death. So when we talk about this, we're going beyond just just the idea of someone died. So what we're going to do, let's unpack this beatitude. So Jesus says blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. He's got two components here that we're looking at. So I want to look at both of those for just a couple of moments today. Let's start with the comforting side because that's that's the end product of what we want, right? We want God to bring us comfort so that we're blessed in these things. So let's start by talking about the blessing of comfort, which seems a little bit interesting to talk about. But how does God bring to us the blessing of comfort? It's the end result that we want. And isn't it what we all want? Because when we're in a difficult time, when we're struggling with sadness or with grief or something, you know what we want? Comfort food. Can I get an amen? amen. It's not good for you, but it sure is good. That's what we want. We want comfort. I mean, just think of it even from this perspective. Let's say someone you know has, has lost a loved one. They have a they have a family member that's passed away and you may not even know the person who's deceased, but you know someone who's grieving. So oftentimes what we do is we show up at the funeral home and there's something powerful about that because when you walk in the doors of that funeral home, And someone turns and sees you there, whether you knew the person who passed away or not, when your friend sees you come in, they have this feeling of someone knows me, someone cares about me, someone's there for me. They are comforted in that moment. Do you know what I'm talking about? So that's why it's important that we understand this idea of comfort. Where does it come from? It's the most basic form. It comes from, I think, two sources. First is this, comfort comes from God. I mean, spiritually, and that's packed in what Jesus is talking about here. Comfort comes from God. He is the source. He is the one who brings it. And we could take time and we could look all throughout Scripture and just kind of unpack different elements of this. One thing is this. If you go to the Gospel of John and you look and see, the Holy Spirit there is referred to by different terms. There's this this word, paraclete, that's difficult for us to translate. Sometimes we say advocate. Sometimes we say counselor. The, The King James Version uses a word and says that the Holy Spirit will come and be your comforter. He's come to comfort us. It's who he is. Not only that, but if you go to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 61, sometimes we read this passage as as like a prophecy of what Jesus' job description would be. What would the Messiah come to do? In fact, Jesus himself in in both Matthew and Luke reads this passage in the synagogue and says, this is what I've come to do. And one of the things that he says amongst all the kind of incredible things that he promises in this prophecy And then when Jesus reads this, he says that he's come to be with those who are grieving. He has come to bring comfort to those who are mourning, that he will turn your mourning into laughter and take what is in ashes and restore it to a thing of beauty. So it's in Jesus' job description. So when you think about the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, Jesus the Son, and scripture even says God the Father comes to comfort us. Interesting passage, Psalm 51, verse 17. David writes, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you will not despise. In case you're wondering, let's be honest, sometimes we do, when we feel like life's falling apart, in our sorrow and our saddest moments, We can have a tendency to wonder, is God there? Does he care? Do I matter to him? And this verse says so clearly, God is there, a broken spirit, he will not despise. He's with you to bring you comfort. In my wallet, I carry this little plastic card and it says on there that I have paid my dues and I am a member of AAA. I I am very thankful for that. While back, I got in a car that was new to me and hadn't had very long, and I was driving back from a meeting down in Columbus, and on the way back, I got a flat tire. Just got outside of the city limits of Columbus on 71, and I got a flat tire. I'm like, oh, man, I pull over. Hadn't had the car very long, and just be honest, I hadn't really taken, I hadn't done my due diligence on the whole thing, but I thought, I know there's a spot. I've seen it in the trunk where there's that well where you can pull the spare out of that, and I know what to do, so I'll just go do that. So I hopped out, opened the trunk, got there, got to the part, you know, you pull the little rug back, you open the thing up, I pull the well out, and there's this well that a spare tire will fit in, and I open it up, and there's no spare tire there. Instead, the manufacturer, for whatever reason, said, surprise, Chad, no spare tire. Instead, we'll just give you a pump. It's just this pump, and I don't know what the, what the deal is, I think, just to be mean to me, and it's all fastened in there and the whole bit. No tire but a pump, and I go out and I look at the tire, and it's like, this, it, was, it was not in good shape. been punctured, and it's like, I, I'm not just gonna be able to pump this up. So what do I do? I'm on the side of the road. I'm on the highway. What do I do? You know what I do? I call AAA, because they know me, and I know them. They like me, because I pay them. Like some of my other friends. They like me, because I pay them. And so I called them, and they came to my rescue, eventually, but they came to my rescue, right, and did what I needed to get me to a place that was safe, and i get the tire repaired, that kind of thing. I found, even though I was standing on the side of the road, traffic whizzing by, there was all kinds of chaos there, I found comfort because I knew there was someone who had my back and was on my side. Does that make sense? God is better than AAA, can I get an Amen. amen. We find our comfort from God but not just from God. Yes, comfort comes from God, but understand this, comfort comes from others as well. In fact, I think many of the times the way God brings his comfort to us, even supernaturally brings it, is through other people. We experience supernatural comfort because we interact with other physical people. Look at what Paul says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. He says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. We are supposed to take time and find ways to build each other up and help others to know comfort. Now, some of you, as soon as I read this beatitude, blessed are you that mourn, you said, oh, good. This does not apply to me because I'm not mourning. So I can just sit here and think about lunch. Maybe that'll help this to go faster. And if that was you, understand this. You may be hearing this message not because God wants to be with you in your mourning, but he wants to use you for some comforting. See, if you are not mourning, maybe you should be comforting. Maybe God has positioned you in a place In fact, I I have this tendency to think that probably for for most of you, before you get through this week, God's going to open up a door of opportunity for you to be with someone who's mourning, and you're going to be able to help to bring them comfort. This is why, and I know we've talked about it already a couple times today, but this is why being a part of a connect group is, I believe, so vitally important. Because when you get connected in the church with a group of other believers, it gives you a chance to encourage others and to experience that encouragement from them it's always a risky thing when you when you take that step and try to get to know other people and you might have to go over to somebody's house and they might be weird that's okay you let us know and we'll help you get into just let us know I would like a non-weird group that's great you know but here's the deal in that moment God can use you and he can also use others to bless you so sign up to join a connect group, you can do it at the hub or you can do it online, I encourage you to do it today, we're gonna to start a whole new cycle here in two weeks as we walk through this sermon series, but you can do that by either stepping out to the hub or by doing that and, and realize that God may use you to bring comfort to someone else. Now, here's the reality, oftentimes when I see someone, okay, who, who may be grieving, I can have a tendency to kinda of wanna go, ah, just get over it and get over yourself and kinda of be a little judgmental sometimes. I know none of you do because you're holier than me, but I think that way sometimes. And it's important that we don't judge people in the midst of their grieving, in the midst of their mourning. In fact, look at what scripture says. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the suffering of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Probably about seven, eight years ago, we were, we were still in the building on Glendale, and um, I remember after service, a guy walked up to me, and he said, um, hey, do you, and I didn't really know the guy very well, kind of casually a little bit. He said, hey, do you think I could get some time with you this week? And I was like, well, um, I mean, yeah, you know, I was like, uh, maybe I didn't know my calendars kind of thing. And he says, okay, he says, that'd be great because just found out I've got cancer and it's not good. Well, I don't, I don't know. I've, I know I've shared before. You might not all know, but about 21 years ago, my dad died of cancer after a two-year battle. And, and when that dude said cancer, I was like, okay, I'm all in because he told me what it was. And I was like, man, I know exactly what that's like. Because I I knew there was something in my heart that said I've been in that place and I know that the Holy Spirit can speak through me and can use me to be a blessing to them because they weren't just people going through something. They were people going through something that I'd been through. That doesn't mean it's easy. That doesn't mean it's pleasant. But it does mean that there will be times that God wants to bring comfort through you to others in sorrow. Understand this. Times of mourning prepare us for times of comforting times of mourning prepare us for times of comforting. So don't don't let your sorrows be wasted. Understand that God might want to use what you're going through today to be a blessing to someone else. Does that make sense? Probably about 10 years ago or so. No, it was. It was 10 years ago. I was, was, uh, when I talk about it and I'm positive, I say I was in a funk. When I'm realistic, and, and I've got to call it something I was, I was just depressed I'd never been in a place like that before but I found myself and I don't know the only way to kind of describe it is like I was in this dark hole looking up and I didn't know how to get out and um, in the midst of that you know you're praying you're, you're calling out to God you're trying to figure out what in the world's going on here and God what are, you, what are you doing in the midst of this and what was funny was during those, those months that that was so kind of strong in my life, I would have people that would come up to me, almost sometimes a little gun shy, a little little embarrassed, and, or they'd make an appointment and they'd go, Pastor, I, I kind of need to talk to you because I think, I think I might be depressed. There might be something going on. And in the past, I would have looked at them and said, Oh, brother, oh, sister, why don't you go home and read your Bible and listen to Jesus' music and just love the Lord and you'll be Okay. Now this time, when they said that, I looked at them and I went, me too, me too. When I I was going through that difficult time, it it changed and it has forever changed. The way that I interact with people who are going through this difficult time. See before, if somebody had come to me, I would have said, let me pray for you. Now I'm able to say, will you let me pray with you? There's a difference, do you see it? Because God uses our suffering to put us in a place where we can help others to know comfort, that's that's the blessing of comfort. And if you're here and you're not mourning, then I I kinda believe that God might wanna be using you to be comforting to someone else. Now that's the blessing of comfort, but let's talk about this too. There also is, and this is what seems kinda counterintuitive, there's the blessing of mourning. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, So how is it that we can know blessing? He talks about the blessing of mourning. How is it that in what is a painful, difficult time, we can actually know his blessing? Understand this, and I think this is key, that mourning is humanity's way of dealing with times of loss. We often think of it as just negative or bad or painful, but the reality is in the way that we're wired, mourning is humanity's way of dealing with times of loss. It's a part of life, it's just a a segment of our human existence, and if you'll allow it to be, it can be very healthy in your life. You know, there's times when I look at at what's going on in my world and everything I've gotta do, you've all been here, you look at just your to-do list and you go, I know how I'll get all this done. I won't sleep. If I just don't sleep, I'll get it all done. Is that practical? Is that real? No, you can't do that. At some point, you're you're gonna do yourself in. You've gotta sleep at some point. Remember remember when you were a little kid or if you had a little kid and you're having fun and you're playing and you're getting dirty and somebody says, it's time to take a bath and you go, I don't wanna take a bath. I like being dirty. And your mom or dad says, you're nasty. You're taking a bath. It's the only way you're gonna stay healthy. Life has processes that whether we like it or not, we have to sleep. We need to get clean. We have to eat. And as a part of what happens in our life, what wears us down, what what soils us, is the pain and the hurt and the death and the sickness and the sin and the loss in the world around us. And part of the way that we are wired as humanity to deal with that is there are times when we must mourn. We live in a fallen world. At best, we could say it's dysfunctional. Would you agree? So understand this, mourning is necessary to be functional in a dysfunctional world. If you wanna be able to function, there's gonna be times when there's gonna be emotion, when there's gonna be pain, and if you don't find a way to deal with that, you will not be able to move forward. Mourning is a healthy thing and is a necessary thing if you wanna be functional in a dysfunctional world. Now this is key, because mourning is humanity's way of dealing in times of loss. But understand this, humanity uses, human nature, you and I uses mourning to deal with our loss, but mourning is God's way of healing in times of loss. When we go through difficult times of loss, God allows that mourning in our lives to be the way in which he brings healing to us. It opens up the opportunity for us to receive from him. Have you ever heard anybody use the the phrase, we need to find closure in this situation? You ever heard that? That when someone passes away, you got to find closure. When you're hurt in some kind of way, you have to find closure. And the reality is there has to be a place where that closure or that release of that situation happens. Because if it doesn't, you just hold on to it. And if you hold on to anything for too long, especially if you take your emotions and you try to wrap those up for too long, that thing that you hold on to becomes toxic inside of you. Does that make sense? Like think about just If you have a pool of stagnant water right? There's no flow, there's no in, there's no out. It's just right there. If that stays there, it's going to breed mosquitoes and it's going to be filled with disease. True? Yeah. The same thing happens inside of us. That if you don't find a way to release that, that, that thing that you're grieving about, if you don't go through a healthy process of mourning, what happens is you hold on to it and it makes you toxic inside of you. Mourning makes room for God to bring healing in seasons of loss. And it may not be possible for God to bring that healing until you allow him to. That mourning makes room for God to bring healing in the seasons of loss. And it might not be possible to bring in the future until you let go of the past. And sometimes that only happens through mourning in our lives. So we've looked at these two components, right? We've looked at the idea of comfort, and we've looked at the idea of mourning, but here's what I want to do in the the last few moments that we have together. And again, I've already stated, I know this might not apply to everybody that's here, but I want to walk you through some scenarios. I I want to walk you through four ifs, that if you are in this place where mourning is, is appropriate or is right, then you can know that God can bring you comfort. I don't want this to be this, this touchy-feely kind of thing because it can be that way sometimes. And, and God, th- this is what's so interesting. You know, God maps this out, I believe, in the, in the order in which we're preaching the text and this kind of thing. So we find ourselves at this verse. We're letting the verses determine what direction we're going as we're going through the Beatitudes. But I guarantee you that God knows how to line up his text with our timing. And for some of you, you need to hear this message today because some of you are mourning And others of you are, and and you either don't realize it or you've not identified it. You need to mourn. So I'm going to walk through these if scenarios. We're going to use a lot of scriptures because I want you to know I'm not making this stuff up. If, If you're a note taker, today might be a good day to write down some of these scriptures. And here's why. Because even if you don't need them, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody you run into this week is going to need them. So let's look at four of these if scenarios, kind of these things that might help us. Let's just start with kind of the most basic one when we think of mourning. If you're mourning because of death, there is comfort. If you are mourning because of death, there is comfort. The reality is you you can't live without encountering death. And sometimes it happens to those that are the closest to us family to friends and, and they've identified this. I think it's interesting that grief is a process. There are stages to death and dying. There was a book written back in the nineteen sixties called On Death and Dying by Elizabeth Kubler Ross that kinda identified these different stages. That she, she says that it starts with denial. She go, No, this can't be happening. Moves from there to anger. Your response is one of of, of rage really. Oftentimes people will, will transition from that into a place where they, where they do bargaining, where they try to figure out how can, I, how can I make this thing different or work from there a stage of depression and then hopefully into a stage of acceptance. The reality is though, if you know this, it's, it, if you're grieving, it's not as clean as just five different stages. Sometimes you find yourself bouncing back and forth. I have found that oftentimes grief comes in waves, that you'll be grieving someone that you have lost, and you think you're okay, and it comes back again. Anybody been there? I mean, it's the reality. It's true. It's true in, in, in painful situations all throughout life. But it's really true when we deal with death. And you might you might at one moment be laughing and remembering something joyful about that person, and the next day you find yourself in a place where you're really hurt. I mentioned um, 1996. My dad passed away two year battle with cancer, and um, you know n- no one has had more influence in my life than my mom and dad, and and so. Um, You know, that's that's a tough thing to walk through. It's been 20 years. Every so often, I still dream about him. I had one that has recurred multiple times, this, this dream where my cell phone rings. And I look down and it says, Dad calling. Caller ID says, Dad. What's interesting about that is my dad died in 1996. I didn't have a cell phone until the early 2000s. My dad never called me on my cell phone. That's that wave of grief that's coming back, right? Usually in the dream when I go to answer, the phone won't work, right? See, <laughs> he's not there. It's kind of this reminder of how, how grief comes and it moves in our lives. And so when we think about this, grieving this morning is so important. Sometimes we grieve with certainty. Sometimes we grieve with this sense of certainty. And here's what I mean by that. Sometimes the person that we're grieving is someone that we know was a follower of Jesus Christ. They had committed their life to him. And regardless of maybe how they had lived in different seasons, we know that their hope was in salvation through Jesus Christ. And so based on the promises of God's word, we have this assurance. We have this certainty that they are in heaven. There's a beautiful thing that comes with that. What did Jesus say to, 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 to um? To Martha in the New Testament, he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. So what we have in scripture is this. There is a promise of reunion. The reason that I grieve with certainty is because I have this promise that one day there will be a reunion in heaven. That's good news, isn't it? I mean, now this theology, this, this idea isn't is fully developed in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament. There is this passage, though, where, where King David has this son who's newly born, is very ill, and so he begins to pray over this child and to fast for this child's healing, but the child dies. And so after the child's death, look at this, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23. But now that he is dead, David says, Why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? And the answer to that question is, of course, no, you can't. He says, I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Why do we grieve? We grieve because he will not return to me. Why do we have hope? We hope because I will go to him. And even though it's painful right now to go through that process of grieving when you've lost someone that you love, If you know that they had assurance in their hope, in their life, in Jesus Christ, then there is the promise of reunion that we look forward to, that one day we will be with that person in heaven. That's that's amen-worthy, right? But what if I don't know that, Chad? See, sometimes we grieve with certainty. Sometimes we grieve with uncertainty. I mean, the reality of life is that there, there are times when people that we care deeply about pass, and we're we're not sure. It's an interesting passage in Deuteronomy chapter 20, or 32, verse 4. Speaking of God, it says, He is the rock. And his works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. If I'm uncertain, if I don't know what the reality is of a situation, I know this, that God does no wrong, that he does what is right, and I have to trust that God is righteous. And in that situation, I put my hope in him. That's where I find my comfort, even in times of mourning. But like we said, mourning doesn't stop at death. Mourning goes beyond that. It's bigger than that. Death is probably the clearest way that we see it, but we mourn anytime we suffer loss. So if you are mourning because of loss, I want you to know, based on God's word today, that there is comfort. If you're mourning because of loss, what do you, what do you mean by that, Chad? Well, maybe you lost your job. Maybe you've had a loss of a relationship. Maybe it was a dream. Maybe you've lost hope or, or there's been disappointment. We were talking about this um, this week in, our, in one of our staff meetings and I was saying, hey guys, what, what does this mean to you when you talk about mourning? It was interesting that, that members of our team took this far beyond the idea of death and they were saying, look, look, mourning happens when people lose this and when people lose that and they do this. Pastor Keith, many of you know, is, is kind of this die hard, all his life, Cleveland Browns fan. And as we were talking about this, he goes, I suffer loss every football season. It's real, right? Not just for the Browns fans. It's real (laughs) that when we lose something, we feel something. Oftentimes, we have to mourn. Know this, our feelings of loss can be filled with God's promise of hope. And I know that sounds really simple, but a simple place is where I've got to start. If you've lost something and you're wondering, how do I... How do I recover from that? How do I refill that? Look at what Jesus says. Further on in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, Jesus says, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven Give good gifts to those who ask him. But let's not just talk about mourning with death. We make it even bigger when we talk about mourning with loss. I I personally think that one of the reasons that a lot of people have unresolved grief in their life is because they're, they're mourning and they might not even realize it because they're not really sure how to deal with change. So if you're mourning because of change, know that there is comfort. If you're mourning because of change, there is comfort. And if you think change doesn't affect people, if it doesn't emotionally hit them, think about some of the headlines that we've seen recently. I was really just kind of, um, (laughs) almost a little surprised, social media, the reactions that I saw that some people gave to change recently when they saw in the headlines that there were going to be changes with both Bob Evans and the Andersons. Do you remember that? Here in Northwest Ohio, when people heard those things were changing, there were a lot of upset people. We're going to lose the Andersons? Are you kidding me? I go to Bob Evans, get comfort food, and then I go to the Andersons on the way home. That change affects us. And when that change brings that sense of loss, you know what that causes us to do? Call it what it is, it causes us to mourn. Here's here's reality, change is unavoidable, true? Change is going to happen. If you wanna try to prove me wrong, here's, here's how I can just prove my point. Do you remember Friday and then Saturday? 70 on Friday, 30 on Saturday? Welcome to Northwest Ohio, right? change is unavoidable, but change can be favorable. Too many times when we talk about change, we immediately make it negative. Let's say this. What if I come to you and say, hey, I want to make a change. I want to double your salary. Is that okay? Yeah, you'll do that because change can be favorable. It can be a good thing. Think of it. If you're in a spot and I say, stay right there in that spot and never move, your muscles are gonna atrophy, you're gonna get sores on your skin. At some point, you have to change, you have to move. If you don't, you begin to disintegrate and fall apart. Beyond that, I've come to find out that many times the way that God brings his blessings into my life is through change, whether it's something I hoped for or whether I didn't. So change is unavoidable, change can be favorable, but let's just talk about it for what it is. Change can be difficult. It's not always easy. That mourning that we experience sometimes when we don't like the change, that's natural. Just, just to be candid, I, I don't like a whole lot of change. I'd, I'd rather know that things are good. I'm holding on to what I know has worked in the past. I'm, I'm uncertain about the future if it changes because then I don't have the same security that I had. I don't like change a whole lot. And you know what? Sometimes when there's change about something and somebody doesn't like it and you express it in or something like that, sometimes what people will say to you is, hey, you just have to deal with it. Look, when I'm struggling with change and I don't like it, it doesn't help me one bit when you say deal with it. Right? It's difficult. It's hard to go through those times. Here's what's, even, here's what's even so tricky about change is when change comes, then I look ahead and I don't have the same certainty that I had before. And so then what happens is I start to worry because I start to wonder, how's this change gonna work out? What's Jesus say about worry? Look, the uncertainty of change brings the opportunity for worry. It breeds it, stirs it up inside of us. So if that uncertainty of change is stirring something inside of you, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verse 28. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you has enough trouble of its own it's true isn't it if you're struggling with change go ahead and embrace that that mourning. but don't let it turn to worry because God wants to bring you comfort last one do you remember when you're in elementary school I know we had, a, we had a setup in some of our classrooms when I was in elementary school where you have your desk, right? And then you have your chair where the two are not attached and you have to slide your chair in and out. And sometimes if you had to stand up in class or you were going to sit down, somebody might sneak up behind you or maybe the person who sits behind you might get behind that chair and you don't know that they're there. And then just before you go to sit down, they snatch it out from under you. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's funny to watch, isn't it? It's funny. Unless you're the person whose chair got pulled out. And then It hurts. In fact, the truth is the reason teachers don't like it is it's dangerous. Because when you get that chair pulled out from under you, you you could really get hurt. It's trying to be funny or have a little good time, but it can be a very painful thing. Even beyond that, do you remember when you were in school, maybe this happened to you. I remember remember watching this. People even tried to do this to me. You've got that kid, that mean, evil, demon-possessed kid. Do you know who I'm talking about? Who you go walking by and he sticks his foot out. Not because he's trying to be funny because he's trying to be mean. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to hurt you. Sometimes, it was interesting, when we were in elementary school, we could get hurt, sometimes inadvertently because people were just trying to be funny, sometimes because people were trying to be mean to us. Aren't you glad that that stopped when we left elementary school? (laughs) If you're mourning because of hurt, there is comfort. Look, for some of you, it didn't. it didn't stop in elementary school. When we're hurt in relationships, there's this sense of grief that leads to mourning. Maybe it was a friendship that went bad. Maybe it was someone in your family, a parent, a family member who betrayed you. Maybe you watched your marriage fall apart. For some of you, Maybe you got hurt in a church, maybe this church, maybe another church. And what's interesting, if that pain comes to us in relationships, in a family, in a church setting, and we don't deal with it, it starts to define who we are. Like I know people that it doesn't take long to talk to them until they tell you about what's happened to them. When you get talking and it comes to, well, my my dad did this, or I had this happen over here at that church. It doesn't take long. And watch this. If our hurt does not lead to healing, it may become defining. If our hurt does not lead to healing, it can mark us. And we can be so defined by this. Now, this is a little bit off to the side, but this happens sometimes. Let's say you're interacting with somebody and you just go, look, that's one difficult person. Let's say we'll just do it this way. Let's say you're interacting with me. You start interacting with me and you go, boy, that chat is really difficult. I just, that guy just kind of gets on my nerves. He's so negative. He's so, I said this in the last service and one guy up there just started laughing. Like, you got that right. He will never be back in this church. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so you interact with somebody like that. And what I have a tendency to do when I interact with a difficult person, I have a tendency to check out on that person and go like, look, I, I, you know what? They are difficult, not nice, rude, a jerk, without taking time to think about what's happened to that person. Here's here's something that I've had to learn the hard way. People view life through the filter of their fears and the perspective of their pain. How do people see the world? They see it through the filter of their fears. Whatever it is they're afraid of, kind of is a filter through which they see things and they see it through the perspective of their pain if I got hurt by that back there then I'm afraid I'll get hurt by that same thing up here and it affects how people so sometimes the reason people are difficult is because their fears and pain have defined them and I don't need to check out on them maybe what I need to do is check in sometimes on them and see if in the midst of their grieving God can use me to help bring comfort does that make sense because hurt without healing may eventually lead to bitterness and distrust. You know, people, that because of the hurt they've experienced, they find themselves at a place where there's a bitterness and a distrust that sometimes can seem to guard and, and, and guide their lives. Now, look, for some of you, we're at that point in the sermon where, where you've checked out on me. Not as many as usual, but for some of you, that's uh, that's happening. If you've checked out, just dial in for a couple more minutes, because for some of you that have been hurt, whether it was by me, whether it was by a family member, whether it was in a church somewhere, on behalf of this church, I want to say I'm sorry. Because I'm pretty sure that wasn't how God designed it. Look, the institutions like friendships and the home and the church were designed to be places where you could know love, where you could be nurtured, where you could find trust, and that would be safe. That's how God designed them. The problem is they don't always play out that way. The reality is God's perfect plan is sometimes damaged by human sin. Have you seen that to be true? There are times when God's perfect plan is damaged by human sin. And this leads to broken people. And for some of you, you've been experiencing something in your life and maybe you haven't identified it as mourning before today. You know there's a loss, but you're not exactly sure how to deal with it. And the Holy Spirit may be speaking to your heart and saying, this is something that you need to, allow me to help you wrestle through so that you can find comfort. Look, some of you have been hurt by a loved one, by a parent, by a friend, by a spouse. And as a result of that, it's it's that filter, it's that perspective that you have. And what happened in the past is affecting your today and your future. Please, I'd encourage you, do not let an unhealthy human experience of yesterday keep you from God's best for your life today. In the present, in this moment, Please don't let that unhealthy human experience of yesterday keep you from God's best for your life today. And for some of you, and this is just, it's just real, maybe you were hurt in, in a church by a leader, by an injustice that was done. I don't know, maybe by me, maybe by another pastor or a leader. I know I've done it. I had multiple conversations recently with individuals who said to me, this this is what happened to me in a church. I had invested my time, my resources, my energy, my influence, I thought the foundation was solid and I found out it wasn't. And I came in this place and people who I thought I could trust, I found out I couldn't. And the things that I had invested in and I built, I watched those things crumble. And as a result, I've lost friendships. I lost people who felt like family. I don't know what to do with these hurts. And this pain has left me in a rough place. And you find yourself in a spot where you feel like you're mourning. It comes in these different waves. It's grieving. This is a little awkward to talk about, especially when you talk about the church because I'm a pastor. (laughs) But I think it's important that we talk about it. Not to be critical, so that God can help us to find comfort. Chad, if you've been hurt, you might ask, what do you do? There's this passage in Psalm 55. Um, Scholars don't know exactly what it is that David's talking about here. You you can't identify the exact experience. But it's interesting, all throughout the Psalms there's times where David talks about how God fights for him and how God helps them in battle. And usually if you read through the, the Old Testament, you'll see they fought armies from from enemies, from other lands. Look at this passage of Scripture, Psalm 55, verse 12. Look at what David says. He says, look, if an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is you, men like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God, as we walked about among the worshipers. David says, look, this isn't isn't some army from another country. This is my friend who hurt me. What do you do if you've been in that situation? Like David, I would start with this. Trust God to know the truth. You know, sometimes we want to try to make a point. We want to try to tell the story. We want to try to, to prove ourselves in a certain way. And the reality is there are points where we have to go, God, I have to trust you with this. No matter what the circumstance is, God, I, I trust you to know what's happening here. I put this in your hands. The problem is sometimes instead of putting it in his hands, I want to put my dukes up. Verse 16. David goes on to say, as for me... I call to God, and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. He rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me. He doesn't say there won't be a battle or the battle will be easy. He says he rescues me from the battle waged against me, even though many oppose me. There's times when when I'm in a situation and I feel like I've been wronged or I've been hurt, my dukes go up right away, but scripture says we depend on God to be our defender. If you've been hurt in a relationship, in a church, let me encourage you, depend on God to be your defender because it says over and over in scripture, he's the defender of the righteous. It might not happen right away. In fact, there may be times, if, look at David's life. David's life got worse before it got better. You ever read the story? If you don't wanna be encouraged, don't read First and Second Samuel. But but as you read this, you'll find out. It got worse before it got better. But in the end, God defended him because God's the defender of the righteous. So if you've been hurt, depend on God to be your defender. Easier said than done, big guy. Because do you know what they've done to me? Do you know what she said? Do you know what that pastor? Do you know what that church? Do you know what my? You have to ask the question. Because they've hurt me. What do I do to them? I mean, what do I do with them? How do I respond? Verse 19 God, who is enthroned from of old, who does not change, he will hear them and humble them because they have no fear of God. Look, we've already said this. At some point, if somebody's done you wrong, you can't hold on to that forever, it'll get toxic. At some point, you have to release that thing. You have to release that person. You have to trust that God is going to take care of it in that moment. If you hold on to it, it will get toxic. Here's what David says here, and here's what I would say to you. Let the one who heals you deal with the one who hurts you. Now, now it may be that there's, and I'm not saying that you just roll over and play dead. There may be times when you need to respond for justice or there may be times where you need to do something to protect someone else. But in your heart, in your soul, know this. Let the one who heals you deal with the one who hurts you. You let God bring you healing. A couple years ago, our, our dishwasher went out And uh, so we needed to get a new dishwasher. And I'm cheap. So we went shopping, bought a dishwasher, and I hopped on the old YouTube, got some videos about how to change it out, and I looked at that dishwasher and I saw those videos and I said, Rhonda, I got this because I'm the kind of guy who can fix a dishwasher. Don't you worry, baby. I'll take care of this. I'm the kind of guy who can fix a dishwasher. Took the old one out, put the new one in, did all the connections, got it all fixed up. Pushed the start button on that thing, and it was running, and I was a happy man. And I looked over at Rhonda and said, aren't you a lucky woman? You married the kind of guy who can fix a dishwasher. And then I went downstairs. I got a little office down in my basement, just this kind of little room. I've got a books down there and a little desk and work and study down there sometimes. And I went downstairs, and as I was down there, I heard, Guess what's right over my office? Dishwasher. I said to myself, don't worry, it'll stop. Didn't stop. And I realized, I'm not the kind of guy that can fix a dishwasher. I had to grieve. Sat down there on the couch in my office and had a moment of mourning. I thought I was one thing found out I was another. And after I cried and wailed and mourned for a few minutes, pulled myself together and I went upstairs. And I said, Rhonda, tomorrow's a very busy day for me. So you know what I need you to do? I need you to get on the phone and find the kind of guy that can fix a dishwasher. (laughs) The next day a guy came out and fixed it. It was tough for me. I had to mourn the loss of what I thought I was. But in the end, that's that's what brought the fixing. Look, for some of us, we've been trying to fix it all on our own. There's things in our lives that are broke. And you've thought, oh, I could do this. And mourning means that you stop for a moment and you go, God, I this death, this loss, this change, this hurt, I need to release that to you. Because you're the only one who can bring comfort. Fortunately for you, I know the kind of guy that can fix it. His name's Jesus. That's why he died on the cross, not just for our sins, but to help bring healing from what our sins have caused. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. i to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And I don't want to make this more difficult or longer than it needs to be. Pastor John's going to sing a song simply says, Lord, I need you. And as he does, if today you say, God, I need your comfort in my life, doesn't matter why, hurt, change, loss, death, whatever you're mourning, if you need God's comfort, it's very simply, I just ask you to stand. I want to lift your hands. Maybe somebody's with you that you just need to take a moment. But if you would say, God, maybe for the first time I'm mourning and I need your comfort in my life. As Pastor John begins to sing, if that's you, would you just stand and receive that comfort from the Holy Spirit? Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that Comfort. Make that your prayer. Says you were a man of sorrows so that you would know how to bring us healing. God, you know the places in our world and in our lives where we need your comfort, where we need your healing, your strength, your restoration. God, I pray in this moment, would you minister that to those who are standing? God, even to some of us who know in our hearts that we probably should be. Lord, as we mourn, would you come alongside of us? Would you bless those that mourn by bringing them comfort today? Oh Lord, as we go from here, we ask that you'd go with us. Just send us out with your special favor, your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name.